You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Sterling. Tight, but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! And now, here's your hosts, Josh Webb and Gray Papke. Hey, everybody, and welcome to City Watch's American Seasons podcast. My name is Gray. Hello, Josh. Hello there, good buddy. And we are here to talk about Manchester City's first defeat of the season in all competitions, a 2-0 defeat at White Hart Lane in North London. And, well... There's, to a Harry Caneless. To a Harry Caneless Spurs, yes. Um, there's a lot of places one could start with this one, but um, we're going to start at the beginning, which is the team selection. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought we were going to start with the low-hanging fruit. Well, what's the low-hanging fruit? I'm curious. Uh, Alexander Kolarov. Well, I think that I think that counts as team selection. Yeah. Um, so. I think there were um, uh, three instances in particular for us that we might question in this in this game, and that is both fullbacks and the deepest midfielder. And I know that you on this very podcast last time we talked. I have I have a fourth. You have a fourth. Okay. Raheem Sterling playing on the left. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't think that was worth accommodating Navas for. Um, but, but I will let you get into that. You were very bullish on Alice Garcia over Fernando, and Fernando didn't show anything today that indicated that you were wrong about that. So I will let you talk about that, and I will let you talk about the fullbacks if you'd like, because I don't know how after the week that was, after the Celtic game, after... Zabaleta looked leggy even there, how they started him again at the weekend against a team that you know is going to press high and be very intense. And, um, well, Colorado's an issue all his own, but I'll let you get the ball rolling on this. I'll leave the... I'll leave part of the fullbacks to you. I I will just say that, look, Fernando is a square peg in a round hole. Um, There are days when he puts in some incredible yeoman-like, you know, just professional performances using those telescoping legs that he has and, and and essentially doing what you'd want a holding midfielder to do. But today, I can't... I lost track after, like, six in terms of the number of balls he gave away in the midfield. Like, that guy was turning over more balls than Mark Sanchez 
in a playoff game or something. Like, I, I mean, there's there's really no words to describe how poor he was, both in terms of his linking play and in terms of what he offered up on the defense. And that doesn't even cover the fact that he's uh, – that doesn't even – yeah, I guess it doesn't even cover the fact that he was supposed to be providing cover for dudes that were also getting rinsed. I mean, Wanyama rinsed Kolarov twice on one play. Like, he did it, and then he did it again just to do it. And almost every single one of of Tottenham's goals you could see coming from a mile away just because of how disorganized City looked defensively. Like, the fact that Tottenham scored so easily when it was a four-on-three in City's favor is almost depressing. They had all four people back there who should have been back there, and they still couldn't stop that. They left Delhi. John Stones played him onside. Um, I just... I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I, I, I don't... Sentimentality isn't something that exists a lot in American sports. You know, Kobe Bryant, when when he was on his tour, he still wasn't playing like 50 minutes a game, man. Like, they were putting Kobe Bryant in there for what he should have been playing with how frail his body was, and also presumably to make sure that he made it to the end of his retirement tour. Um, look, Zabaleta... By virtue of the fact that he played against Celtic, he should have never been in the team lineup today. And hopefully Pep Guardiola realizes that Kolarov should never play left back again. Well, I when I look at a Kolarov against the side like this, the fact of the matter is he's just not interested in defending. There's no two ways about it. It's not something he wants to do, which is kind of fatal if you're a defender. And we talked about how against a team like Bournemouth, who aren't going to test City's back for much and are going to give you space on the ball, you can get away with it. But against a team like Spurs, who are going to press you intensely and are going to hassle you and are going to make you work and are going to force you to defend, you can't do it. And that is... You should have known. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But yeah, if I can if I can move this to, my, to the next point I want to make, yeah. beyond why did Pep start those fullbacks, the answer to which being I'm not really sure. Um, why on earth this is a team that everything they say and everything they do indicates that they want to ascend to the top of the European game as quickly as they can. Why have we had three of the same four fullbacks for five years now? They're over 30. None of them are world class. Zabaleta, there was a time that you could argue he was, but that time has passed. None of them are world class. It has never been addressed. Why is that? Well, it's not entirely... They signed Sanya, who has been, who is their best fullback. They tried like hell to sign Laporte. Right, but where are we? Do, do we believe that line of from City? I mean, uh, fair, fair. Yes, okay. Yes. Laporte has been dispatched as a left back many times in his career, 
and it doesn't matter whether you use him as a left back or a center back, he can play both at an exceedingly high level. And I think the idea was to have Stones, Company, and Laporte, then you've got, then it wouldn't matter. You can have a wink leak in Zabaleta because, in theory, you've got three rock-solid defenders. Now you're in a position where it's become painfully obvious that Vinny Company can no, should no longer be considered a reliable first-team defender. Uh, you have to, I think, start planning for the future. I don't think that that necessarily means you need to go out and splash 50 mil on Benucci. City may do that. That's an option. But they did try and get uh, Laporte. And had they been able to secure Laporte's services, I don't think he was ever marked for center back for City. I think he was always marked for one of the fullback spots. That's fair. And I know there were the Zabaleta leaving Bruno Perez links too, but it just seems like this has been allowed to go on for too long. Because... This circles back to our Bellerin. It does. You cannot, you cannot, you're not going to, I mean, you're not going to be at the very top of the top in Europe with two weaknesses at fullback. It's not going to happen. And... Perhaps they misjudged what they had. Perhaps they misjudged something else. Perhaps they did try, like you're saying, they did try, but they were rebuffed um, for reasons beyond their control. Um, you know, fair. Okay, I'll buy it. But if that doesn't get addressed this summer, then someone's derelict in their duties. There's no two ways about it. Um, I just, I don't, I, I think I think Clichy and Sonia would have been better. And on your on your uh, on on the topic of defensive mid, the pivot, um, you know, I know that Joe and I on the last episode both said Fernando should should be in this game. Uh, perhaps we overestimated things, um, but I think you might you may well have yeah you may well have I think you might have been on to something with. The Alex Garcia stuff. It's just time to make that move, man. Like, this is the thing with Garcia. If they say, if Pep says that he's the prototype, you know, center defensive mid that they're looking for, <clears throat> then what? at a certain point, what is Alex Garcia going to do that's any worse than what Fernando <laughs> That's the best argument you can make, really. In a game, in a game like that, you're going to be pressed for, like we said, you're going to be pressed for possession, and you're going to need guys who are going to give the ball away as little as possible. And we know for, <laughs> Fernando is such an on-off player, and I don't know if what, what Garcia is ready for and what he isn't. They'll know better than I will, but if you're going to find out, you might as well just find out, I think. And on top of that, it just seems weird to me because everybody knows that one of Tottenham's biggest assets is their youth and therefore their pace. And Fernando doesn't really have that. Fernandinho has it in spades. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Garcia's pace looks like, but I know the way that he covers the field, like you said, it is very much like Silk. He doesn't seem to be putting forth a lot of effort 
when he is. He he does it very naturally. And perhaps they don't want to bring him along too soon or throw him to the fire. But look, they've thrown Raheem Sterling to the fire. They threw Claudio Bravo to the fire uh, in the fire at the Manchester Derby. Uh, Leroy Sané has been given his opportunities. I just... I. I don't see any reason at this point why Alex Garcia shouldn't be pushed a little bit more into the limelight. Especially since you're not going to be using Yaya. Um, so that's, I mean, I don't, that's really ultimately you, you're, you were, I think we can both say that you had a very good point. Um, so, Moving on, I guess, to that press that we knew was coming. It was always going to be a matter of who did it better, who was going to press in the midfield better. And I suppose in a certain sense it's no surprise that Spurs, who have been doing this for a while now, are going to be better at it than City, who have been doing it for three months now. But here's my next question. Because Liverpool are going to be doing the same thing. And they're not the only team. Obviously, there's a certain there's a certain skill level requisite to really make us worry about it. But if Celtic can do it, then that's you know our city. Barca are going to do, do it, yeah. And if Barca do it, who are better than Spurs, it might get ugly. But my question to you is uh, in two parts, basically. Are City incapable, simply incapable of handling an effective press from a good team? And if so, is it because of the personnel, or are they just not drilled for it yet? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Uh, I think the answer is... is... <laughs> Look, I've seen them deal with it. I've seen them deal with it. And, and, and there are varying degrees to which you can chalk up the success rate of dealing with the press because a lot of people just see people moving toward the ball player and they're like, okay, that's a press. Well, it is. And it also isn't, you know, you can run after the ball carrier, but effective pressing, pressing that makes a difference a pressing that forces turnovers is a team effort. Everybody has to be moving, shifting as a whole, uh, and it really the, the 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 perfect the the what I would call the standard bearer for this is Atletico Madrid uh, for for when they pull it off. And I know that they play the counter, but when Atletico Madrid are instituting their press, the way that that team move as a fluid unit and 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 force other teams to cough up the ball. Uh, so that they can do their thing is is some of the most gorgeous defensive football that you'll ever see. And a lot of times last year, and Damos mentioned this on his podcast, that Aguero would be the only one pressing, which is essentially wasted energy. This year there are times when there are a couple people pressing, but then they're also not taking away that third or fourth option either. And if you're not taking away those third and fourth options for these players, then you might as well not be pressing at all. Um, if you're not going to press them and, and press them properly, then you're wasting energy and oftentimes bringing yourself unnecessarily out of position. Um, so 
I I think they can. I just don't think that as the personnel is currently constructed, they can at a level that is elite. Okay. <laughs> they can't yeah. deal with people like Tottenham. Mm-hmm. If they came up against uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, I would be terrified to see the final scoreline. I already think that Liverpool are going to do something nasty to Manchester City. Uh, and ha- and this game, uh, look, I I think Liverpool would have made this this game as it were played. I think it would have been six or seven to Liverpool. I really do. Okay. Um, I I I think that there's a there's a certain reminder that I saw that um that I think that's that's worth because I'm actually not you know I I would like to put it out there right now that I'm not particularly sweating this result as it is um it's obviously not good and it's obviously sort of disconcerting for some of the other top teams we're going to be going up against but at the same time i think it's important to remember two things thing one is that city are still very much a work in progress and i think we forget that after all the wins early in the season but the fact of the matter is they are three months into this, and they are still learning what they're supposed to do, and that is evident in every single game that they've played, even the good performances. And the second thing I would say is something that someone pointed out on Twitter earlier, and it is, if Spurs... that I want, We should put out there that it wasn't just that City were poor. Spurs were fantastic. They did everything right. And someone pointed out, and I think it's worth pointing out here, that if Spurs have to play that well to get a result, then Guardiola is going to win a lot of games with this team still. Uh, I, man, I, I, I think that's color-coding it, dude. I think Spurs played as well as they always play. This is what they do. Defensively, they're... Like either the stoutest or the most stout team, in, uh, or the second most stout team in the league. Um, Son has definitely been growing into the false nine role in Harry Kane's absence. Like, I think people are placing this this notion that Tottenham played out of their minds to make them feel better about what is a glaring problem and has been a glaring problem. Um, and, you know, as you said in our run sheet, mm-hmm. these things are glaring weaknesses for years. Like, Tottenham played well, sure. But this this wasn't like Inter Milan's, like, master class against Barca that will be talked about for years to come. Tottenham put out way better efforts and, and more complete efforts. They... City had a couple of chances that they couldn't finish. They didn't have players. You know, nobody followed up David Silva's run. Otherwise, you know, possibly City have one on the board right there. Sergio Aguero hit the wood on on a shot. Uh, you know, there were opportunities for this Manchester City team. So I don't think I agree with the idea that Tottenham played out of their minds. I think they played a fantastic game of football, not going to take anything away from Tottenham. Like, but I, I do think that people saying, oh, they played one of the best games, that's taking away from Tottenham. 
Because you're saying that's the only reason they beat City. No, no, they beat City mm. doing exactly what Mauricio Pochettino does on a week-to-week basis. This is exactly how he handed Pep Guardiola his defeat, first defeat in Spain uh, with Espanol. This is something he's already done before. He knew what he needed to do. His team went out there and executed it. That's what the bottom line is, and that's how I'm looking at it. But if people want to convince themselves that Tottenham played this amazing game and that's the only reason City lost, sure, they can. I, I just I don't think it's the truth. I think that this was a, a very solid effort from Tottenham, but one that they could replicate without much ease. I think Spurs were very good and very well-drilled, and I think City were average um, at best, if, if I can just put it that way. But... You were talking about this on a Twitter account, too, is the fact that, well, frankly, Guardiola will probably learn more from this game than he will in the last 10 games combined about his team, about what works, about what doesn't. He's going to learn so much from when his team loses that can be addressed later. And perhaps I'm being overly sunny and overly optimistic, but I don't think that Guardiola is going to be worried worried not necessarily worried about a result like this no 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 I think Guardiola will be worried because I think he realizes what everybody else in the world realizes that there is a very simple plan to beating City and if you can execute it properly City will fall like a stack, stack of dominoes you press them effectively you take your chances and you target their weakest players that Guardiola consistently starts over and over again. It's the same thing that teams did last year when Pellegrini started. Like, you can look at a lineup like that and lick your chops and say, oh, you mean we've got two, you know, near 30 fullbacks, one of whom is completely not interested in defending at all. The other one it would defend with his life but doesn't have the legs to do it. How many teams have wingers that can fly up and down the pitch? And David Silva doesn't offer a whole lot for me defensively. And when David, on top of which, I just don't think that David Silva functions. He's not, I never thought I'd say this, but the, like, when he gets thrust into that role and De Bruyne's absence, it, it, it just doesn't turn out the same way. Like, it, it, it sounds crazy to say, but from that number 10 position, Kevin De Bruyne is just better. He's he's a better number 10. Yeah. Um, well, at the same time, you bring up Pellegrini, but do you really think... And perhaps your point is that he doesn't have the personnel to adjust, but right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that Guardiola will adjust better than Pellegrini would have in this situation. Oh, I'm not saying that he won't. I'm just la- I'm laying the problems as they are. Right. Pellegrini is going to be proactive about it. That's why I'm curious if in the window he is going to go out and get a fullback and just say, okay, you know what? We, we, we're, you're probably not going to wrestle Bellerine off of Arsenal at this stage in the game. Yeah, that's the thing about January is it's hard to buy good players in January. Uh, it is, but City by now have a scouting network that's pretty – Dang superb. 
And if they come in with a big offer from one of these clubs, you know, that have great defensive units and pluck away one of their full box at, well, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it will be difficult. Sure. Um, I'm just saying I think it should be something they look at extremely intently if they plan to compete at all. Yeah, sure. In the later stages of competition. I, I think they'll look at it. I'm just, I don't know what they'll find, and I'm obviously not in City Scouting Network, so I wouldn't know what they're going to find. I have serious doubts at and, 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 and I'm not saying this because of just two strings of, of, of bad luck, but I have serious doubts, or maybe not doubts, I should say concerns, that City may not even get out of the group stage in the Champions League. Like, Celtic got their result. If one or two more things go the wrong, go wrong way for City and go right for Celtic... Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, that group is so unpredictable. It is difficult, and I think Gladbach away just got really, really important, obviously, because they didn't take maximum points at Celtic. You figure they'll handle Celtic at home. Um, Maybe. No, I think they will. And. But what makes why why will they handle Celtic at home when the game plan for Rogers would be the same? Uh, entirely different environment, entirely different everything, entirely different. It's, it's. I think that the. I do think that there was an issue. I just don't see them having trouble at home. They didn't have trouble with Gladbach at home, and Gladbach would have known just as well. They didn't have trouble with. They haven't had trouble with several teams at, at home, and I don't think that suddenly. One so I haven't played Dom like so far we would you you'd say Tottenham's been their toughest test of the year. Correct. Right? Given the way that, that United yes. have turned Yes, 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 more. yes. Okay. So we we don't really know <clears throat> how they'll play at home against the cream of the crop. But Celtic are not the cream of the crop. No, they're not, but they are a team of players who can cause great distress, can get up and down the pitch like you wouldn't believe, and for all the guff that Brenda takes, you know, you, Damo let off a series of tweets about Rodgers and, and, and things that people often overlook. And, and I, you know, th- this is a guy who's extraordinarily inventive, man. Like, he's a great mind. He will outthink himself but when he doesn't have the kind of pressure on him that he has at Liverpool, he can come up with a game plan or two. And and it will be a tough test for Celtic to come in and, and beat City at home. But given how City have looked any time somebody have pressed them and taken the game to them, I don't know how you could say with utmost confidence that they're going to beat them. That's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying you're not going to get me saying it from my chest after their performances against teams who press and press well. Okay, that's fair. But I just, I don't, I'm not going to reassess my, my opinion of, I I don't see why this game plan wasn't a known commodity before these two games is basically the point I would make. 
Um, Fair. And I Fair. don't. I also don't know. Um, you know, if if other teams are going to be able to replicate it as effectively, Celtic did it with energy for 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 thirty for sixty minutes, and City still put three past them. It was defending, and if City defend better in the home game against Celtic, I think they'll be fine. And today's performance gave you hope that they're going to be defending moving forward because Otamendi's back to rolling around on the ground like a fish. Kolarov's getting rinsed twice. Pablo Zabaleta looks like he's aged, you know, 10 years and in, in half a week. Like, these are what I'm saying. Like, I... I don't want to sound doom and gloom. I still think City are going to win plenty of games. I still think they, they're probably even going to win the league. I just think that when you have these tough, tough, tough competitions where sometimes it just matters more to the other team, there is every possibility that a Celtic team could come to the Etihad and take advantage of of an error-prone set of City players who happen to find their way on the team sheet. And that's not even to say as to what City may have in terms of uh, uh, available players at that stage. You know, what if Aguero's out? Well, now, well, that's I don't know. I don't know what if Aguero's out. That's getting into stuff that may or may not happen. I know. I'm just but like, I just the Celtic that went to Barca and lost seven nil. Like I just I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, City are definitely 100 percent going to beat Celtic. Nothing is 100 percent in football. Weird things happen in the Champions League. But at the same time. Otamendi had a bad game today, but that doesn't neutralize the fact that he has had a lot of other good games. I just, I'm not going to sit here and say that, well, every bad thing that we thought about City, that we might have thought about City before this game today validates it. I don't think that, and I can't think that, because... You know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think we should change the way we think. I, I yeah. What, what needs to happen is to understand and accept that these are going to be massive problems for City, and if if smart coaches can figure out a way to tear into them, then, you know, City's path to glory could become a bit more complicated than maybe people had thought with City, you know, previously unbeaten coming into this. It's not doom and gloom, but as you... This, this would be the best way I can phrase what I'm trying to say here. As you noted in our first question, these are the same weaknesses that have been there for years, and it's why City haven't won before and, and, and moved on. And the same problems are still there, except they're a little bit older and being asked to do a lot more. Everybody seems to forget that City play a certain way, too, and these guys come to the end of their seasons are going to be... Man, I don't know. I, 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 they're they're going to have ran a lot, though, based on how much they run already. And their bodies may not hold up like we think they would. It's just, with the weaknesses that City have, at the present course, my notion is that adding a bit more depth to this team 
would not be the worst idea in the world if they can get it done in January. That doesn't mean spend $600 billion. It just means go out there, find a couple players who can come in and play a role for you and do what you need them to do in an effective manner. If you need a left back that can defend and play with his feet, they're out there. They're out there. He may not be the most amazing guy in the world, but you can find one and get him in on the cheap. Shore up some of those holes, and I think City can go further than than they're probably going to go at this rate. Let me jump in. We'll go jump ahead to Joe Bailey's questioning because you brought it up, and I think it ties in nicely. Um, Joe Bailey's in London today doing NFL things, so that's why he's not here. Um, but he did ask us a question. He said, should we be worried about the lack of depth in the central midfield? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's not, it's also not necessarily the depth so much as it is the variance, wouldn't you say? Like, if there are so many central midfielders on that team, but within each one of those guys, it's a different set of, abilities like like we talked about Fernando today well then you've got Delph you've got Dino you've got Silva you've got De Bruyne you've got Gundogan you've got you know so many other players that could technically qualify as a center attacking midfielder if you needed it Raheem Sterling it's it's <laughs> is depth the problem Maybe more in the sense of they don't have enough of what they need. They have a lot of center midfielders, but they've got, like you mentioned, Yaya Toure, one guy who's literally sitting there on his ass and collecting a very large paycheck. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can buy that. I would just like, you know, I think, I think that's why. You know who's who's your pivot if you can't if 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 there's I think there are questions at that position yes um, and that's that's how I'll tie that up um, let's talk about we've we've already kind of slated the defense and slated the midfield so let's go for the attack it seemed limp at times it improved slightly in the second half they grew into it a bit but like there was never chance conversion they never got going and it never really felt like it was ticking. Do you think that was down to the fact that they were having trouble in midfield again? Yeah, it also was happening because they didn't have any great linking plays. Like I, I, David Silva may will probably be the best footballer that has ever played at City, but I don't... He's having some sort of sharp regressions in some areas, and... It, you know, when, if he gets frustrated and, and isn't involved in the game, then now you've lost one of your most creative players, and then what? You have to rely on Fernandinho or Fernando to get, to get those things going? Okay, Fernandinho can do it, but I'm sure a lot of Tottenham's game plan were centered on taking him out of the game. If I were setting it up, I know that's what I'd do, especially if I saw that team sheet. Not that you base things off of what you think, but 
you know, Pochettino's a smart man. He knows that with Nolito out, that they're going to funnel the ball in through certain people, and that Fernandinho was going to be one of those key figures. They marked him off appropriately and took him out of the game. So now you need to have that creativity and that influence from Silva on the other side, and it never came. Uh, so, too, uh, ironically enough, the most dangerous cross-offer today came from Jesus Navas. Um, but, yeah, with Sterling on the left, the attack looked blunted. It was a poor accommodation uh, just to bring... Uh, 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 novice on, on the right-hand side, and I really don't think that uh, Sané offered anything at all. Um, I continue to have my reservations about Sané. I, I, I know that people are saying he may get there, uh, you know, and, and, you know, there was this, that, and the other. And, I, look, I'm not saying he was a bad buy. I'm just saying I have my reservations about how impactful he's going to be in 2016-17. And uh, I'm not even seeing a glimpse of hope from Sané yet. Well, he came on with five minutes left. No, I know that. And that's part of the problem. He's not getting minutes because when he has, he's not done anything with them. It's part and parcel of the whole problem. I know that he only got a limited amount of time today, and it was basically like, hey, we're just going to get you out there. I, I don't even understand those substitutions, to be honest. I'm going to need somebody one day to explain them to me. I know that there's a thing called time-wasting. I'm, I'm well aware of that. But surely Guardiola couldn't have possibly have thought, like, oh, okay, if I kill enough time, we can get two goals out of a game where we've had no offensive gumption whatsoever like that that can have been in my mind and then Kalechi Iannaccio didn't really offer much when he came on either um I think without De Bruyne we can say it over and over again this team just looks extraordinarily different in in an attacking sense City need to find some way to you know, buy they need to find a way to be. Yeah, they they need they need more than him. They shouldn't rely on him to be direct. Yeah, yeah, they need like there should at least be one backup player who can pull this off, and hopefully next year when City can unload a lot of these contracts and all of a sudden have have room again. Uh, you know, hopefully they can sign some guys in there that if De Bruyne goes down, okay, you've still got, you know, like a Gonzalo Castro or something. Um, just a guy you can get at a cheaper rate who can come in and create. I mean, at this point, would it, I, I thought about this while I was in the shower. Like, truthfully... Could you not see uh, Gabriel Jesus coming in and taking up all of Leroy Sané's minutes in, in December at the rate that Sané's going? Well, I don't know. It's not like Sané's got a ton of minutes. He started that. No, I know, but I'm saying what little minutes he was yeah. getting. Could you see Gabriel Jesus coming in, taking them, and doing enough with it such that it prevents Sané from getting him back. He gets, you know, not Wally Pip. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, we're not privy to how these guys are training either. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think Guardiola will give the t- give time to guys who are 
proving themselves worthy of it. So um, whatever position that may be at, I you know, I don't know. Um, Why do you think the attack is like, like I think the midfield I think the midfield and the lack of, of De Bruyne have a lot to do with it because they just Silva lacks the same directness that, that De Bruyne brings. It's just here it is, we're gonna go, we're gonna go right at you, we're gonna run right at you and we're gonna pass right at you. There's a certain directness to his game that no one else in this side can really replicate, save Sterling sometimes when he's confident, but he's playing further up and not in midfield, so it doesn't matter as much. Um I think it's it's down to those two things. It's that, you know, Fernandinho is not either in the same, you know, he's fantastic, but don't get me wrong, but he's also not in the same mold as a player. So I think they miss that. And I think when they're not controlling that game, when they are giving the ball away in midfield, it's it's like trying, if if you imagine that's, that the, the city's starting 11 is like a, mount, a mountain, um... If, if the middle of the mountain is covered in ice and you don't have the proper climbing equipment, you're not going to make it to the top. So when you're giving the ball away in midfield, you can't use nothing to build off of. Yeah, yeah. And that was the huge problem the day is it was just turnover city, you know. It was, it, 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 you know, credit again to, to Tottenham and to Pochettino who – Honestly, if, if England don't look at him as their next possible manager, like I, I, I don't even know what to say, man. Like they game planned it, they game planned it perfectly, didn't they? Look, Pochettino, this guy, like as a neutral man, there, I, I didn't even hate watching today because the Spurs are so good. Like when you enjoy at some sadistic level of beating because you're like, damn, this is just impressive. Like, this is an impressively oiled machine. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just think that there's a lot of a lot of honor, dignity, and, and entertainment in what Pochettino does, and I don't think the man gets enough credit. Like, I, I, There is, I, I think, something to be said for being well-drilled, well-coached, well-game-planned, and executing that game plan well. Yeah, and I've seen his name, you know, brought up for the England job, and that's why I, I, I said that. Like, I'm not trying to get them out of Tottenham. If I were Tottenham, I'd be beating back the FA with a stick. But, uh... Yeah, if, if 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 the FA don't pursue Pochettino, like I, I if he can do this with with Tottenham's players, which need I remind it, you know our listeners that really the core of England is made up of Tottenham players right now. Like if you give Pochettino a couple guys, you know, uh, uh, like Jamie Vardy. Uh, Raheem Sterling, so on and so forth, that he can also work with. Oh, man. That guy can instantly turn England into a very, very, very dangerous contender on a national level. Yeah. He's already got a better job. He won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> For being honest. I would, I, would, I would believe either that, you know, the renovations are about to go through at White Hart Lane. Uh, you know, yeah, new stadium. Yeah, they they. That's one of the better jobs in the league right now, actually, which is surprising when you think of where they were even a couple of years back after they sold Bale. Um, 
Because we don't want this to just be sitting here, just going to town and uh, on City's players, I do want to say some words for John Stones, who was composed in the eye of a hurricane of chaos today, I thought, and Claudio Gravo, who did his save the penalty and did about as well as you could have possibly expected him to do, in my mind anyway. Yeah, I thought that uh, John Stones, once again, uh, continues... Continues to prove that Roberto Martinez is a very curious case. Uh, I mean, it's probably been my favorite transfer of of the off season, without a doubt. I love watching the effort this guy puts in, and the thing that I love about it is that you know he's doing it for the club. He's doing it like for him. He's doing it for his teammates. I mean. This guy feels like he was born to become a city legend, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's a city defensive legend. The just the way the ease with which he's adapted, the level to which he has embraced the club and in return has been embraced. And then you see the performances like he gave today, even in in, in, in the eye of as you put it, the hurricane, uh this guy is just a calming presence. Uh, he's creative. He gives City something moving forward, too, as well as just being a stone wall. Uh, pardon the pun. Um, I could sit here for the last, you know, we could spend another hour talking about how great John Stones has been. And, uh, yeah, to your point about Bravo, uh, you know, he was under a lot of pressure, and, uh, you know, many lesser men would have made more mistakes with the ball at their feet the way Tottenham were pressing. And he didn't do everything perfect, but he did more than enough. And, and He certainly didn't. He certainly wasn't hurting the team, I would say. No, no, he wasn't. He, he, he put in a very professional effort today, and that penalty save was first class. So <laughs> I know there's all that talk about, you know, how Stones... Well, he said that was a really weak take. Yeah. Yeah, it should. That's I, We would be remiss if we didn't mention it, but well done to him anyway. Um, on Stones, we hear all that talk about, you know, future captain and all that. It, that was just, at, at his age in particular, uh, a lot of lesser defenders, given the way that game was going, would have panicked or wilted or something. There was nothing of the sort from him. His defensive partner was flying all over the place. His fullbacks were doing nothing right. And he was just, you know, he did his job. And there is really something to be said for that, if you ask me. Yeah, I was, I'm going to use the word enamored with how often he was not allowing himself to be pulled out of position uh, due to boners or gas or just just not having the legs uh, by his compatriots. Uh, he he just he he knew what his duties were today. He he had his defensive game plan drilled down. He knew what Guardiola had asked of him, and he delivered. And were it not for Stones, this game could have easily been worse than it was. Um, 
And then that one tackle, uh, I think it was toward the beginning of the game, where Stones just came flying in after Zabaleta had been beaten. And and it was, I mean, that was just at an outstanding tackle. And he had on his hustle meter, you know? Like, those are the kind of efforts that people give that that's where you're like, this man's not just playing for himself. Like, he's playing for the club today, too. You know? And that's, like, you're not going to score on us. And, and Tottenham eventually did. But you know what? It wasn't because John Stones didn't give everything he had. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to get to here, and unless we come up with something else, we do have a question after this, too. But um, this is, this, this is well, let, let, I'm going to do the, uh, the audience question first, because it does relate more to the Tottenham game here. Um, I'm curious what you think for a game like this one, an important game like this one, what you think City's best 11 is. Since, since you know, we continue to futilely try to predict these, these teams, and we have an international break coming up, so we don't have a game to predict. So you know what? We're going to suffer through this anyway. But I am genuinely curious what you think. The best, the best 11 for me is... With what they have now. Oh, I, I, I don't have one for you. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you because I don't know who you play at that number ten position, or if maybe you well, just overload the midfield and 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 try things, you know, with like two pivots instead. Um, I, I, what they have right now. Um, I mean, are we counting Melito? Uh, yeah, you can count people who are healthy but suspended. Okay. So you can put him in there. Nolito on the left, Sterling on the right, Aguero up top. That's Ooh, they really missed today, by the way, I thought. Nolito? Um, yes. Yes, yeah, that was painfully obvious. Um, then I would have Sonia playing right back pretty much every game. <laughs> Um, uh, Stones Otamendi that partnership is usually pretty rock solid uh, today let's hope was an aberration and I would honestly just abandon Kolarov and, and I'd, I'd, I don't know what I would do with that left back position Angelino maybe Mafeo I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you want to do <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, I've, yeah. I've got nothing for that. Yeah. Mandino, um would definitely be in there in the midfield. Uh, how many do I have so far? I think you're missing the other two midfielders. Um, yeah, I don't. Gundogan and probably Silva. But I'm not... I'm not so... Like, I, I, I honestly... I'd move Gundogan up top as more of an atta- attacking option. Let him come play, or, or move Dino up top as a more attacking option, uh, and let Gundogan play uh, just in front of uh, uh, Alex Garcia. And and that's that's probably a like I would drop David Silva. He functions better with. Kevin De Bruyne at this point. 
<laughs> Isn't it funny that we spent the entire first half of the season debating whether Sylvan and De Bruyne could coexist, and now the conclusion is that Silva needs him. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not seeing anything out of Silva this year. I mean... I thought he was really good to start. Yeah, but but he had De Bruyne with him. I don't know. In games where it's okay, let me rephrase that. Uh, in 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 games where David Silva has had to play by himself, I've not seen amazing efforts. The offense generally struggles to move a little bit more. I would still want him on the pitch. I just don't know what you do with him, and that's my problem. You asked me what I think the starting best 11 is. I don't think he would be in it at this point in time. Okay. Yeah. I would. City need a more defensive starting 11 right now. They don't have the guns up top with the Lido suspension and De Bruyne's uh, injury. I think they need to play what, because Pep Guardiola's counterattacking game is beautiful. I think they need to start playing like that for right now until until guys start coming back from, from injuries and suspensions. Yeah, I, I can buy that. I don't know what I don't know what mine would be. And I hear you Well you don't get to get out of it. I hear well no, I'm 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 talking my way through this. Um I, I your point about Silva is well heard. Um I think what I might try is um, Bravo and Goal, obviously. Um, Sonia right back. I really thought that that was going somewhere different. You're like, I think what I might try is Bravo. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put Bravo up front as a lone striker. No. Um, yeah, I'm going from back to front. I would put Bravo in Goal. Um, I think. I'm not, I, like you said, I don't think there's a great option at left back right now. I'd put Clichy in, but I know all the concerns about him are well-founded. Sonny at right back, I'm keeping Stones and Otsumeni together. I would consider the double pivot with um, uh, Gundogan and Fernandinho and Silva, I would put Silva in it as at, at ahead of them because, and I'm gambling on this, but I think maybe Silva looks better if you're keeping control of the game better. Okay. Um, and then Sterling and Alito are, and Aguero pick themselves. Um, it's probably not great. It might not work. It probably doesn't really the Silva concerns, and I'm just spitballing. But, you know, I don't know. No, I think that's a... Uh... I think that's a fair line. I think ultimately, I think ultimately, ultimately, what you have to do, you have to find a way to control the midfield in games like this. And I, you know, it's, I don't know if they have the lineup for it, but I think, you know, that. What's Gun doing these days? Can he play midfield? <laughs> um, good question. Here's the listener question that I was meant to get to, but skipped over because my brain just completely went out on me. Um, it's from Richard Donlin. Will you break the two hours for a podcast with this one? Doesn't look like it, Richard. Sorry. Or you're welcome, as the case may be. Um, P.S. Do you think this exhausting Celtic game told in the legs today? Um, yeah, I do. I agree. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do think that it, it told a little bit in the legs. Um, 
But I also think that it told more in the tactics. Yeah, I think I don't. I think it was a factor, but not the factor, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah, because Sterling started to look slower to me at around the fifty-minute mark, and and I think that there's a big reason why he looked slower. Like that's that's why I was saying, okay, Sterling's tired and frustrated. It's time to pull him off. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that today. Actually, a lot of tired and frustrated toward the end of that, um, and it didn't help them much. Um, so should, should we call this podcast thing one and thing two, or, or tired and frustrated? Tired and frustrated, I think, would be the the the, the, uh, the quality title here. Um, is there anything? We got, a, we got a couple. We did get. Oh, did we get? Uh, did we get more? While I, after I stopped looking. I wanted to know when Fernandinho to write back. That's. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. If if only he weren't so important in midfield. That's kind of the the problem. I think he could do a job there, but I think he's of too much importance in midfield, which is where you have to win the battle. The, the question I am going to answer, though, was did the Colorado own goal play a major part in the team's uh, transition, a uh, 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 major part in the transition back to the team's Pellegrini state of mind? Maybe Pellegrini state of mind should be the title. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Maybe it, it was one of those what the where are you doing moments, you know? I, it was I, just, you know, you're a professional footballer. You should be able to clear with your weaker foot. That shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. That's not... You should have just let it go, and it would have gone out of play for a goal kick. That's not requisite of a, of a good defender to be able to do that. No, Kolarov literally could have done anything else on the planet but that, and it would have been... Like, he could have dropped to the ground and started doing the, the, the pelvic thrust. Uh, you know, like the guy who does the ripping and the tearing. The ripping and the tearing. Um, and, and it would have been better than what he did. That was just... It was a boneheaded mistake. And it wouldn't surprise me if there were some, maybe some lingering doubts there. But I think, to answer your question, I, I honestly think, and Gray said this earlier in the podcast, I'm just going to back him up on it. I think Guardiola stamped his print on it. If, if there's losses, it's because players, it's the same set of players who get frustrated and then let the mistakes compound. It's, I don't yeah, if, if I can rant for a moment, I'm really tired of the narrative. Where every time they look a bit flat or whatever you have it, they people just throw out the Pellegrini jibe. It's beyond that at this point. It's not. It's it's. You said it best. If this if it keeps happening, it's down to the players. Because mentality is not a, qu- a question I will ever have about this coaching staff. Um, I, it's just, if, if they can't be motivated by this, then I don't know what can motivate them. So I, I guess I guess I'm tired of the, the turning to, you know, oh, Pellegrini every time. Even if, you know, that sort of limp nothingness, I think it's, it's, it's there are other things at play. And I think that ultimately you have to... There's, there comes a point where you have to move beyond that and start 
asking the players, why didn't you play well? I think you're just looking at, say, a guy like Kolarov, who is error-prone. There's no two ways about it, and always has been. And so you're de- it's not, you know, it's not down to, to Pellegrini or even Guardiola. It is down to an error-prone player who can't have it coached out of him. So that's my take on that. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'm just going to agree with what you said. Like, it's, it's sort of, if people want to move into the Guardiola era, they have to stop bringing themselves back into the Pellegrini era every time something goes wrong. Like, things can go... Said blaming Pellegrini and then turning around and laughing at Jose Mourinho for blaming City for a loss <laughs> that happened uh, against a completely different team uh, is 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 I, I forget who he blamed at that moment. Uh, who, who the loss wasn't it? The Stoke didn't he blame him because the Stokes lost or the? Do you know what I'm talking? I vaguely remember. I'm not sure exactly, but I vaguely remember. Yeah. I think they're the same thing. If you're laughing at Jose Mourinho for doing that, hopefully someone is laughing at you for making the same silly comparison. Yeah, I think there's a there's a deflection in play here. We have to move beyond the Pellegrini thing. It's a new manager. The players are the same, but again, I think the mentality has changed. Can I, can I add one thing? Yes. Like one thing to yours. The thing that I would say is that we it's got to start being about accountability. Completely with you. Forget Pellegrini. Forget all of that crap. This has to be about accountability. This has to be about players taking ownership for their performances and then stepping up in the midweek and training that much harder, putting in that much effort, staying later on the pitch to work on, on this or that or wherever it is. Like, this is about accountability. And shifting the blame for Pellegrini is disowning the accountability and and saying, oh, we're incapable of losing unless Manuel Pellegrini is managing us. That's not, no, that's bullshit. Yeah, I think... It's complete and utter bullshit. And I think it's, I I think that while Pellegrini did struggle to motivate the players and wasn't as tactically, um, you know, tactically great, there's more at play here. There's so much more at play here. And when you see guys like Kolarov making the same preventable mistakes on a week-to-week or a game-to-game, in this case, basis, it's not down to the manager. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Guardiola. It could be Pellegrini. It could be someone from the championship. It could be Johan Cruyff. If the players are going to keep doing stupid things, then there's not much you can do except not play them. That you can blame the manager for. Mm-hmm. But you can't, well, to an extent, to an extent, obviously, we know, we've just gone into how limited he is in his choices sometimes. But, ultimately, you know. But hey, Grimaldo's having a hell of a game today. <laughs> Sign him up. All right, is there anything that you wanted to add before we call time on this? We've, we've covered a lot today, and, and, and like you said, I don't I, there were obviously a lot of negative to talk about today, but the horizon is still... It's so bright, yeah. And what, we both agree that we still think they have a pretty great good chance of winning the league this year. Yeah, they just... They need to stay composed, and the difference between 
the, the biggest thing that you can take away from losses like this is this year the team will actually learn something because Guardiola is going to learn something. And then he is in turn going to relay that to them. So as the mistakes are made, Guardiola will rectify them at a, at, at the rate that he can, which is usually pretty quickly. So, you know, just like with childhood, you cannot expect perfection. You know, the, the, it's kind of, in a way, I'm kind of glad this happened because now people stop talking about cities on beach yeah. The honeymoon, the honeymoon is well and truly over now. Yeah, let's play some football. Let's grow and let's see what this season brings. Let's see what these guys can do now that they faced a bit of adversity. Yep. It's one setback. Let's move forward. Yep. I am all about so that. Forward always, always forward, baby. I am all about that mindset. All right. Um, we got an international break, so we don't, we'll talk to you during it, I'm sure. We'll figure something out, but um, not in the preview here. So in the meantime, um, subscribe to us on iTunes. We are there. We are sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. And for Josh, I'm Gray. Thanks for listening to City Watch's American Seasons podcast. We'll be back at you soon. Until we talk to you next, have a great week, everybody, and thanks for listening.